once again to another episode of Fangraphs Audio. I am Carson Sestouli. On this particular episode of the pod, we invite Mr. Matt Clausen and Eno Saris to our incredibly round table, and we discuss Matt Clausen's article, Traditional Categories, Fantasy, Reality, in which Matt Clausen suggests that fantasy baseball may not, in fact, be as retrograde as one might think, and in some sense might actually be more realistic. We ask Eno's opinion on this and ask him to suggest some specific ways in which fantasy baseball might resemble real baseball. A couple notes to make before we begin. The first is that on the pod, we do mention Mr. John Roch and in general, the Minnesota bullpen. This was, of course, before the official decision had been made by manager Ron Gardenhire to name John Roch as the sole closer. Additionally, we would like to thank the editors of New York Magazine for adding Fangraph's audio to their approval matrix where we are just on the right side of highbrow and brilliant. Some white-hot fantasy analysis right after this. Welcome once again to Fangraphs Audio. I have uh, two, a couple gentlemen here with me today. Number one to my right at this uh, fictional table is a social media butterfly and a man of, of all Fangraphs. Uh, sorry, I should say all fantasy websites. His name is Eno Saris, coming to us from Jamaica today. Is that right, Eno? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Uh, you have the day off because it's a, is it a Rastafarian holiday? Am I correct? Am I correct there? <laughs> yeah, Rastafarian holiday known as uh, Good Friday. Good Friday. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, well, very. It's very good to have you on. Uh, you'll you'll be the uh, you'll be playing the part of our fantasy expert today if you uh, if you accept that challenge. I will wear that hat. Okay, good. Uh, the other gentleman we have today is the man whose article, uh, traditional ca- uh, traditional categories, fantasy, reality, is the reason we're gathering. His name is Matt Clausen. Hey, Matt, how you doing? All right, and I am have the day off too because I'm I'm unemployed. <laughs> that's that's another that's another <laughs> fine reason. Um, Clausen, you wrote this article, traditionally uh, traditional categories, fantasy, reality, um, in which. Well, I'll let you sum it up better than me, but uh, you frame an interesting argument, which is uh, looking at the idea of giving fantasy a fair shake in terms of the mind it takes, I guess, to be what we might call a fantasy owner or GM. I'm, uh, I'm going to ask you to, f- to frame our conversation today and also maybe to discuss what, uh, what motivated you to write this article and then additionally uh, maybe how people reacted to it. I've been thinking about it for a few years because I was in these fantasy leagues that were just uh, five by five roto leagues, and you know the truth is, I, like a lot of people, I got into sabermetrics through fantasy. Now I was I've never been a good uh, fantasy player, at least in leagues where people actually cared. You know, it's pretty easy to win the league where no one's paying attention. You could pick up uh, Aubrey Huff. This is like 2003, by the way, when you want to do this, <laughs> pick up Aubrey Huff off of waivers and stuff like that. Um, but it struck me as I got into five by five, you know, that I thought. You know, it was uh, during the early, you know, the early aughts, uh, 2000s, you know, so Sabermetrics was getting bigger. Uh, it seems to get bigger every year with mainstream fans. But and I was thinking, why do we use OBP? These are so non... These are wrong! <laughs> you know, they, uh, our runs, RBIs, these don't pick out good players. You know, why should uh, hackers be so much more valuable than actually good players? Things like that. I remember one time having a stern talk with my commissioner about why we should use plate appearances rather than uh, at bats for our league minimums, you know. But then, as I thought, you know, as I as I play for a while, uh, I just began to think, uh, well, you know, this is actually what real GMs confront in a way. Now, obviously, uh, 
real good GMs don't go out and get, this is hard for me to say as a Royals fan, most GMs don't go out and try to get guys who get a bunch of RBIs just because they get RBIs. Uh, and I, I suspect most of them don't look, I certainly hope they, n- none, none of them look at pitcher wins, <laughs> knock on wood, and uh, or things like that. I, 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 would, and I would guess that fewer and fewer are looking at ERA. Uh, there's this uh, article recently, uh, and Nyer, Nyer pointed out today on his blog that uh, the Twins picked up Carl Pavano uh, from the Indians, even though he had a 5.37 ERA. Now, they might, may have done that for scouting reasons, but, you know, whatever. Maybe it was a FIP, or as the Twins, uh, one of the Twins guys said, what is that, uh, first strike and ending pitch percentage? Uh, <laughs> that's literally, seriously, that's what he said. Yeah. That's what he thought That's what he thought it was. Oh, uh, accurate, yeah. but, but, but what struck me is that there's this gap. Uh, there's two kinds of gaps here, and the one that's it's obvious is between what will happen and what you think will happen. That's just, that's just a projection problem. And there is an interesting issue there with how you project for fantasy as opposed to how you project reality. And if there's a classic article by... Uh, Ron Chandler on that, but that's not what I was interested in. It's the conceptual gap between, you know, you know, uh, like the re- the real general manager knows. And I assume this is the front office is getting smarter. Who create runs? Let's just talk, talk leave, keep it simple, leave it at offense for one minute. Yeah. So they're going to look at uh, linear weights created above and below average, whether it's a woba or whatever kind of formula they want to use, or base runs. It doesn't it doesn't matter. They're not going to look at okay. Let's get the guy who think can score the most runs because you know what does that even mean? It, by itself, it doesn't mean anything. You look at a guy on base percentage or whatever like that. And so, uh, but, but the truth is, the baseball games involve actual runs scored and actual runs driven in. And so, yeah, there's a projective gap. But but so there's this gap between what you know wins actual games, but that's not what really what you're looking for. And you have to deal with that gap. And you have to and look at yeah. You have to look at. The fact that there is a conceptual gap. If you're just playing, and I think you say this in the article, if you're playing in a linear weights league, there, there's no there's no gap. You're, right. You know how much the guy's probably going to be worth via linear weights. He's worth that much. Congratulations to you. Right. That's exactly right. And it's not that. Uh, I mean, I'm not telling people what they should or shouldn't play. I'm just talking about one aspect of traditional fantasy that has that gap that, that is in real base that is in real baseball. Uh, because we often talk about how, well, okay, look at all these ways fantasies are different real baseball. In a weird way, the traditional roto categories are more, quote-unquote, realistic yeah. in that way, because, because there's that gap. Well, let's get, let's get Eno in here. Eno, you write for, uh, well, you write for a couple, you know, a whole bunch of places, but one of them is Rotographs. Uh, you also do some work with Bloomberg Sports and um, using advanced metrics to look at how it might affect uh, fantasy performance in that case. Uh, I guess... I'm curious just as to what your first reactions are to this, uh, to, to Clausen's article and the idea of uh, fantasy and reality's uh, relationship with each other. It's funny. I think I read the article um, and I and I digested it. And I think hearing Matt explain it again, I think I just understood exactly what he was sort of talking about. So uh, kudos to you, Matt, for being way smarter than I am. Um, <laughs> or, or way more unclear. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think... I think what I'm what I'm I'm hearing a little bit is that uh, let's say you did play in a in a saber uh, more of a saber oriented league, um, you know some of the aim of of playing or, or these saber stats um, are to find stats that vary less um, from year to year uh, and that get more correctly at the heart of a player's value. Um, so therefore, you you'd be finding stats that I feel like would vary less, and you'd have less of a gap between the perception of that player 
and their actual value. Um, so I feel like that's some of the, the idea behind Sabre Research. Uh, the nice thing about, uh, about fantasy baseball is that that gap is there, and it's almost like in real baseball where you're, you're, the best fantasy players are best at finding players that are undervalued in the system uh, based on whatever s- secondary stats they want to use. So that's, I feel like that's, if I'm understanding correctly, that's sort of uh, what real baseball is like. Because, you know, people still look at batting average, they still look at RBI and stuff, and, you know, the best GMs are the ones who can look past that, use secondary stats, and find players that are undervalued. So I feel like maybe in a way fantasy does that better. Uh, regular, you know, old school fantasy does that better. Well, so let's let's look at two types of players then, and maybe we can get into some specific examples here. And as we continue to develop the, the conceptual uh, framework for this too, there's one type of player um, who will say we know about their advanced stats and we know how that might make them better, uh, you know, like traditional category fantasy players this year, right? Um, and I think that one example that comes to mind is uh, I was discussing with Jonah Carey a post that uh, I, I forget who exactly had written it at Bloomberg Sports, but we were looking at Curtis Granderson for this season and how Curtis Granderson might be an even better play this year than he had been in previous seasons simply because of the home run per fly ball rates uh, in right field at, uh, at the New York, New York Yankee Stadium. So that's one type of category of player for whom the, the advanced stats tell us how good this guy is going to be this year. The second category are those players who perform way better in fantasy and will continue to perform way better in fantasy than they do in what we'd call real baseball. Uh, and a player of this sort might be Jacoby Ellsbury, for example, just because he's so many standard deviations above the mean in terms of stolen bases. Uh, but, you know, in terms of what his actual value is in baseball, um, well, we're not sure. You know, why, why don't you maybe uh, look at some players who you, who you consider prime examples of this? Guys whose advanced stats tell us that he's going to be good this year, and then another guy who's way better in fantasy than he'll ever be in actual baseball. Well, off the top of my head, uh, I think Grady Sizemore sort of fits in um, with the uh, Granderson side of things because we we know from certain things that uh, he got un- he's been unlucky with uh, with his BABIP and so on and. And uh, all systems point towards you know a good season this year, uh, but he's he's a pretty good uh, real life player too. Um, it's hard. I, I'm thinking back a couple of years, but I you know I've rostered Jose Guillen before, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't think any real life team should ever have rostered Jose Guillen. So um, I feel like uh, he's the sort of player that you that you run out there for the RBI. Um, you know he will run into a couple homers. Uh, his, but in real life, his his terrible defense um, put, gives that away. I mean, maybe Adam Dunn is. Um, I mean, I hate to say that because he's he is a pretty good offensive player, and but I don't think even, he's been worth even two wins for a little while now, right? Uh, from, right. Uh, from a uh, since at least two thousand seven. Well, okay, yeah. yeah so there you go. There's at least two seasons then. then uh, in fantasy, he's a he's sort of like a eighth eighth round pick where you just throw him out there, get forty homers. You, you're not worrying about his defense, so. And actually, Adam Dunn, because of the batting average, uh, gets undervalued in 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 fantasy too. So um, you know he's actually sort of a great little player for certain teams. He can really work for certain teams. You know, you put him and Ichiro together, and you've got a great couple of players that you got for sort of cheap. And probably a couple guys that'd be fun to go to the bar with. 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> At the same time, just, just speculating. Yeah, uh, I would love to see. De- I would love to see Den's reaction to it. It's it's funny. And yet one more reason Den needs to be in the AL is so that he can make the All Star team. I'd love to see his reaction to Ichiro's uh, All Star pregame All Star pep talk. His yeah. legendary pregame All Star profanity laced tirade. Yeah, no way. Yeah. I hadn't heard about that. I was I was yeah. thinking about his crazy outfits. Well, both, but you got to use your Google machine, you know, and get out and learn about those. I think that the exact content is not known, but there's been uh, some ideas leaked to the to the media that they're a lot of fun. Can I, I want to go back to the Jose Guillen thing because, yeah, I mean, even even if you leave out the defense, he's a bad hitter. But uh, I, I never liked the signing for the Royals. But in 2008, I, I I drafted him in my auction league, and he was one of my better players because uh, there's a great quote from Dayton Moore. You know, he said, "Well, if the worst thing I ever do is." is sign a guy who's going to hit 22 home runs and 97 RBIs, I'll take it. RBI, I'll take it. And, of course, that's hilarious, mockable, and so on and so forth. But that's 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 pretty good in a fantasy league, especially a, a really deep one. Well, for, you know, uh, first because, thing, because, you're, allowed, you're allowed to say RBIs on the podcast. That's totally legitimate. It's supposed to just RBI. Either way is acceptable, Clausen. <laughs> Second of all, isn't this because we? Um, it's, in, it's imperative – for the fantasy owner not only to identify the actual skills of the player, so that would be the linear weights league or something along those lines, but also the context yeah. in which he's playing. That's right. This is exactly, uh, and I don't want to give too much, sec- this is some of the quality stuff you get in Fangraph Second Opinion, still on sale. <laughs> Correct? Yes, no, yes. I, this I wrote about, so if there's anything, you know, what I wrote about Rick Ankeel, who um, people may have gathered I'm not real high on, uh, I said, but if there's anything 2008 Jose Guillen taught us, is that no matter how bad a guy sucks, if he's got a little bit of power, the Royals will march him out there in the middle of their lineup day after day after day, and he'll get a lot. He'll he'll, he'll bat a lot of runs in. Well, especially if he's you know he's going to be behind maybe uh, hopefully Billy Butler right or uh, De Jesus right yeah who, that's guys who are actually getting on base at a decent clip yeah now Colossus I'm interested for you are there any guys who sort of stand as um, prototypical examples one of a guy whose advanced stats tell us he might be a decent fantasy player this year, uh, even though he wasn't so good last year. And then on the flip side, a guy who is a good fantasy player, you know, along the uh, Jose Guillen line, but who doesn't necessarily deserve to be in a lineup. Well, let me start the second first, because that's easier to pick out, uh, for me anyway. Uh, Jose Guillen's an obvious... Uh, well, you know, actually, Guillen is is terrible. He'll probably <laughs> get hurt. But he's you know he's a good example, because they'll march him out there anyway, and he will... He'll, he th- and since, you know... Apparently, baseball's unlike any other sport. The employees can just do whatever they want. They'll still bat him, you know, fifth or sixth. Uh, Ankeel, if he's healthy. Uh, I was thinking of somebody else. You know who's going to be awesome this year in traditional fantasy leagues? Uh, and it, <laughs> here I am, the guy who talked about how bad his fantasy is. Juan Pierre. Think about it. The guy caught stealing does not count in traditional fantasy. He's good at, the guy, that's all he does. He's not going to hit for a terrible batting average. In five by five leagues, steals are scarce, especially in AL only leagues. In in my auction that I was in, uh, he went for over thirty dollars. I ended up I couldn't I had him at thirty five, uh, and I I couldn't stomach doing long at thirty five. He went for thirty one bucks in an AL only league. I mean, there weren't the only players I think that I mean that was the only play, position players went higher than him were uh, Carl Crawford, who I drafted at forty four bucks. Now there's a guy who's going to be good in both real baseball. And fantasy baseball, but for different reasons. We can come back to that. But I, uh, uh, but yeah, Juan Pierre. And, and plus, think about it. He's because the White Sox aren't going to use him right. The, the, Ozzie Guillen's going to lead him off, and he's going to play every day. 
Pierre hasn't been hurt in a long time. I mean, am I crazy with that, you know? No, no, I, I'm actually, what I'm hearing there also is the Ozzy Guillen thing. I mean, he talks about, you know, running, 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 and the go-go socks or whatever, and and uh, and that's, I, I think that the manager um, and the role of the manager in baseball is where there's a lot of opportunity to find value in fantasy uh, baseball. Uh, and, I, and I've always, and I, and I call it, <laughs> I call it thinking stupid. Um, when you're when you're trying to to find good players and you're trying to guess who the closer is going to be, say in in Minnesota, uh, you don't always you know we know how to use the secondary stats to sort of identify the best players and you know we can say to ourselves, well you know what it really looks like if you took Jose Mejares and Pat Neshek and you just put them at the end of that bullpen, boom, that's the best closer option you can come up with. You know Neshek. Is great against righties. Miharis is great against lefties, um, and that's all you need. Uh, but uh, I was thinking, you know, well, I don't know Garden Hire personally, but I feel like, you know, I know him a little bit from his managerial moves, and I don't mean to disparage him, but I would call it thinking <laughs> stupid to say, you know, I don't mean to uh, disparage him, but I'm calling him a stupid person. No <laughs> I think Joe Posnanski. I think Joe Posnanski just stopped listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> No, no. I mean, he's obviously he's obviously knows what he's doing on some level. But and he, no, and he, no, he what's great in his credit. No, in his credit, he he's doing a closer by committee. So in fact, he's out he's out thought, um, and uh, and it, and it's good for him. But I I was I was predicting John Roche would be uh, the closer because he's got this mythical closer experience and uh, the mantle of having done it once before for the Nationals for two months. Um, would be this mysterious thing that would allow him to to be a great closer. Um, well, and that's, that's 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 high pressure. That's a high pressure situation. But okay, so so this idea <laughs> of, you're performing you're you're performing in front of hundreds, sometimes thousands of fans. This is yeah, night. just like we are here on the pod. The um the <laughs> thing is, this idea of thinking stupid is interesting, and if and if that could be your maybe uh, uh, colloquial way of referring to it, but you're essentially. You are aggregating information that you have about 30 managers, 30 GMs, right? And then you're trying to put all that information together to come up with your well, best guess as to what that particular organization will do. Yeah, and, it's, and it is silly to call it thinking stupid because sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll go beyond our, our, our uh, expectations. For example, um, Houston, our favorite whipping boy, um, Houston uh, brought in Brandon Lyon. Uh, they spent a lot of money on him. And uh, Ed Wade... You know, seems to love Brandon Lyon for reasons unknown. And uh, I figured he spent that money. He's going to put a little pressure on a manager to make Lyon the closer. So, I mean, I, I avoided the situation in most of my drafts. But I did I did pick Lyon a couple times late, um, even if Lindstrom had some interesting uh, things about him. Um, I just figured that there would be GM pressure to, to put Lyon in that role. And I think a lot of people thought like me, but in the end, uh, I guess I was the one that was thinking stupid. Yeah, well, that, yeah, I guess that's sort of an interesting thing. Now, Clausen, in terms of the conceptual gap, where do you see this idea of thinking stupid, right? I mean, is this just a case of having more information? Or is it? does this sort of, to you, resemble the reality of fantasy baseball? Is this something that you had considered um, when you were sort of putting together this, this piece you submitted uh, this past Monday? Yeah, well, it was uh, you know it was much more clear in my mind, and then I wrote it, and it wasn't clear. And now I'm trying to now now I keep going back and forth through projections. Like, yeah, part of it's just information, but I love I love this idea of trying to get into the the manager's mind. You know, I don't want to be yeah, all managers and GMs are stupid, but that's an arrogant viewpoint. But I, Garden Hire is a particularly sticks in the craw because because the Twins 
because the success of the twins, you know, although, you know, some off and out playing their pie fag and, and then, and not only is Poznanski, who, look, everyone loves Poznanski, and rightfully so. Best sports writer in America. And even Nyer is on, is on the garden hire train now. And of course, Sorry, I'm just going on a side rant here. But, of course, last year the Twins were just good, and they hit tons of home runs. So it wasn't small ball. It wasn't anything smart. They had you know, a historically great season from a catcher and uh, and a bunch of other guys, and Delman Young couldn't catch anything, but that still didn't stop them. But, yeah, there's this uh, part of it is this, uh, on the conceptual level, uh, it's, you know, having to deal with, with fortune, <laughs> with, with luck. I mean, you're trying to guess what's going to happen. Like, uh, I had Chris Perez in a keeper league. And, of course, I, I cut him, you know, because he's a mediocre middle reliever. But then, uh, well, I shouldn't say mediocre. I mean, he has some potential. Strike but, he's a, he, but now he's the closer is the, is but the point. But the day, at, that was like, our, that that cut deadline was like the week before that they made him the closer. Now, that's luck. Now, that might actually be a case where the the team is being smart. Not, oh, you know, Chris Perez, he's young. He's never been a closer before. Uh, but, you know, it's it's uh, it's Cleveland, so they, they're actually pretty smart. And Manny Act is... Uh, I think that is part part of it. I mean, he's, he's trying to get information, but you just sort of have to guess. I think uh, Eno's on to something. It's that same sort of thing you have to deal with. You don't know what's going to happen when you get guys, if they're going to get hurt. I mean, that's part of the uh, luck factor in baseball and how much you can stick to your guns even when things go against you uh, time after time. You know, the process, as it were. Eno, you want to close us out here? Uh uh, well, I, I just uh, I would just say that I, I was happy to, that you brought up the Chris Perez one because uh, for once I, w- I was right on that one, and uh, I think that one of the thoughts that came through my head is you know there's a chance there's a non-zero chance that Tony Sip is a better uh, a better pitcher now and and might be in the future than Chris Perez, but he throws the ball with his left hand, um, mm-hmm. and for some reason I I don't think it's borne out in uh, the secondary numbers that. That is necessarily a terrible thing. Uh, if 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 your lefty can get both sides, both guys out, why does it matter that they're a left-handed uh, reliever? You know, um, they're not a loogie. Tony Sip is not a loogie. Um, so you know, it, there are these weird conceptual barriers um, in baseball. Oh, I want to have one closer. I don't want to have three. Oh, I I don't want my closer to be left-handed. You know, uh, oh, I want to have a little speed at the top of the lineup. And these are the things that we that are sort of whipping boys for us at Fangraphs, um, and and probably deservedly so for for real baseball. Um, and I think that that's what's exciting for a lot of our, our readers and for and for Fangraphs savvy people um, is that they can use these secondary statistics to their advantage, um, and they can find values. and And I, I think that's that's why I love fantasy. You know. Uh, Dave Cameron was just saying the other day, if only there was a, a stock market for uh, baseball players and. And we could use our knowledge um, to to take advantage of that stock market. Well, there is, and it's fantasy baseball. I think you know it's it's imperfect, but we've we've got the numbers to try and get around that and 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 find the players that are in the gaps. Well, uh, listen on that shockingly poignant note, uh, in which you've uh, <laughs> tied together the uh, unruly package that has been this podcast. Uh, I think we should say goodbye, lest we uh, lest we ruin it. So, uh, I will say to you, Mr. Clausen, thank you for joining us. Thanks. You're welcome. And to Mr. Eno Saris, all the way from Jamaica, thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Yeah. This has been another edition of Fangraphs Audio. Do stay tuned for our crack analysis during the course of the year and also uh, fantasy analysis, hopefully on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm.